listening to Make It, a podcast by Bonsai Creative that helps aspiring professionals in film get where they're going faster by dissecting the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives in the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley. Dicey Wildman. I am a filmmaker and event producer in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm known for making some fun feminist horror films with Daisy Dukes and um, putting on a number of cinema-related events in Nashville over the years. Currently, I'm the um, co-founder and creative producer for the Defy Film Festival, and we just wrapped our first ever virtual version of the festival last week. And I'm Sarah Saturday. I am a musician, a performance artist, a web designer, an event producer in Nashville. Um, I'm known for my audiovisual project, Gardening Not Architecture, and also for building websites. (laughs) I am currently wrapping Defy. We just did a virtual uh, festival, so we're wrapping that up right now and planning for um, a couple upcoming events in October. Dicey Wildman, Sarah Saturday, welcome to the Make It Podcast. Hi, thanks for having us. Anytime, and Dicey, this is your second time um, joining us on this podcast, and I just thought I needed to have you back, and I'm so glad you invited Sarah to join the conversation as well, but I I wanted to have you back because you did something really special, which is um, take what is generally considered, you know, a small a unique festival that you do every year here in Nashville and you put it online uh, with the help of Sarah with, with great success. And it's not like the bigger festivals here are around the area where, you know, you're very, very resource rich. And so you guys had to find um, a way to, to, to make this, this happen. And so for those that don't know, for the audience, uh, Defy Film Festival is a, and this is, kind of from the bio here. So uh, (laughs) it's going to sound bio-like if you're listening. Defy Film Festival is a rowdy and weird film festival in Nashville, Tennessee, focused on bringing two days of unusual cinematic achievement from around the world. Dicey Wildman is the co-founder and director of this young festival. And uh, we never, is Billy the the other co-founder? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, Billy Sinise. It was all actually born out of his crazy idea. Um, so we started it together and then he's the senior programmer. Uh, perfect. I, I do, I do want to take uh, it back one step though, because we have both of you on the podcast and, uh, ask this to Sarah. How, how did you meet Dicey? Actually, that's a really fun story, but I love this story. Uh, <laughs> I'll try to keep it short. Um, I met Dicey through a list serve posting that I made in 2014, um, like I said, I'm a musician and I do a lot of audio visual stuff with, um, with my project. And I was looking, I was sort of new to town and I was looking for filmmakers. I had no idea how to find them. I moved from Los Angeles where you can like throw a rock and hit a filmmaker. <laughs> and here I was like, I don't, where are they? You know, I'm still kind of getting used to the town. So I went on this Google listserv that I had found somehow when I moved to town and I was like, where are the filmmakers help? I'm trying to make this, do this crazy film project for my album. And 
someone emailed me and was like, like, you need to meet Dicey Wildman. And I looked her up online and I was like, she seems cool. She was running like a outdoor film movie night and all this stuff. And so I just emailed her out of the blue and said, I want to make a movie for my next album. Are you interested? Let's meet up. <laughs> and we met up and basically became fast friends. And she helped me make a feature film for my last album in 2015, which was a crazy undertaking. And I believe, was that the same year that Defy launched Dicey? Yeah, it was actually, which is hard to imagine thinking back. But yeah, yeah a big year. <laughs> yeah, you were busy that year. <laughs> yeah, and I, I kind of helped out the first year of Defy a little bit and then quickly found a couple of places with Defy that I was like, oh, I can help with that and I can help with that. And then from there, it's just organically become a little bit of my baby too, or a lot of my baby too. <laughs> oh, very much so. Yeah. I feel like in the beginning it was, it was, your involvement was kind of born out of the hive mind that we created around fo to, to make that feature film for fossils. And then every year it's been a little bit more your, your vision and your voice, which is just so excellent and necessary. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I'm a big fan of you, Sarah. And, um, I, I was first introduced to you uh, from the fossils project. And I, oh. I was instantly sort of reminded of, of sort of Laura Veers. And I thought, oh, yeah, I thought, okay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm in love with Laura Veers. So, um, yeah. this, this is right up my alley and everything about it was great. And uh, like I said, 2015, a seminal year for you, uh, Dicey as well. But you mentioned, uh, Sarah moving to Nashville, you'd been touring for years and, had turned sort of these demo tapes into an EP and your band had broke up and you were going around the country and it seemed like you were um, doing pretty well. What, what made you leave LA and move to Nashville? Um, like a quarter life crisis, basically. <laughs> no, I, uh, I was working in the music industry in LA for a lot of years and I just, I had this happens to me. I don't know if you guys can relate as creatives, you know, every few years I'm like, I quit, I quit everything. <laughs> I can't do it anymore. I'm terrible at what I do. I'm going to go get a job or whatever. And so I had done that in LA for several years. I'd been like, my band had broken up. Like I said, when I first moved there and I was like, I'm just, I'm just going to, you know, be an entrepreneur. And <clears throat> it caught back up with me as it always does. And I was just like, Oh, you know what else was happening? Well, something I had some sort of existential crisis, like truly. Anyway, I was like, if the world was going to end, what would I want to do with my time? And I just decided I really wanted to be on the road. I was young and scrappy and was like, this is the time to do it. So I put everything in storage and just started touring and did that for two or three years, pretty much straight um, until I burned myself all the way out on that because DIY touring is miserable. It's amazing, but it's also miserable. <laughs> and my brother was living in Nashville and he's also a musician. And he was like, you got to move here. It's cheap. This is the next place. This is the next it, it place. And I was like, are you sure I play electronic music? I don't know about Nashville for electronic music. You know, this is like 10 years ago, but <clears throat> it was cheap. And I found myself in East Nashville and I absolutely love it and will never leave probably. So yeah. Worked out. <laughs> well, your your brother uh, John Paul, uh, yeah, from from Boom Forest. He was he was absolutely correct, and kudos to him on his uh, remix of your latest song, "Absence oh, of Me," yes. yeah. which is which is wonderful. So good stuff there, Dicey. This is this has been your baby for five years, and you had enormous challenges to put on the Defy Film Festival this year. Unprecedented uh, sort of year that it's been. 
did uh, did the festival live up to your expectations? Yeah, I mean, it was such a wild ride this year, and I'm really, I know that you'd wanted to chat before the festival in order to promote it, and that would have been excellent, but I'm actually so glad we're talking afterwards because, you know, it's it was it was wild. It really was. Um, there was obviously, yes, unprecedented, and, you know, there were parts in the process leading up to it where, you know, it, it was on the table to maybe just scrap the whole thing this year, but you know, we're so small and fragile that, um, you know, that really isn't an option. We weren't positive we'd be able to come back from that. And it's so important to us to do it. And so it really was like, okay, put your head down and figure out how to make this happen. Um, and we, you know, we can talk more later about all the things we did to really bring the in-person feeling of the festival into the virtual realm. But to answer your question, yeah, I, I am, I really believe that I, that we did it. And I'm really proud of, of where we landed. It's, I'm not sure it was what any of us were expecting when we started going down the process of have, or having that conversation of how to go virtual. Um, but I really love where we landed and the response from filmmakers, um, and people who participated just as audience members has been overwhelmingly positive and, and they've been, a there's been a lot of gratitude from filmmakers that we did put a lot of energy into it. And we, and we really tried to do something that, that honored their work in a, in a difficult, but necessary way. And so, yeah, I, I think we did it. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. And, and the last time we had a conversation on this podcast, we talked about just sort of the, the grind to build something, you know, back in 2015 and, uh, and all the little T's you have to cross and dots you, you have to, or I's you have to dot rather <laughs> to, um, almost said that backwards, um, to, to make a film festival happen. So at that point, the dream is, are we really going to do this? Are we really going to do this? And then yeah. year go, years go by and you really are doing it and you actually have a thing. And so I'm, I'm curious, how has, how has the festival grown or, or changed uh, since you started it? Um, you know, really our vision has stayed very clear. Um, but what I feel like we've gained is just a little bit of trust from the community, from Nashville audiences, and then from filmmakers. Um, and so, you know, we just, the quality of work that, that is submitted to the festival through film freeway is really incredible. And I think that that is because you know, we, we have some good reviews on Film Freeway. People have a good time with us. In every way, we're a word-of-mouth festival, both for for Nashville and, and our, our um, ticketed attendance, which obviously changed a little this year, um, but also for, for the filmmakers who trust us with their work. I, most, I feel like a lot of those, those filmmakers that submit, submit because they had a friend that did, and it was a good experience. And so I think we're we're gaining some trust from the community and all the different communities that we pull from, and that's really given us a lot of um, confidence to be able to keep going down this path and, and confidence to do it our own way um, consistently. Um, and you know, it's I mean, it's also just more fun to do a festival or any kind of event when you know the community is is um, you know in your corner and excited about it. And so I don't even think we've changed a lot obviously with the exception of this year, which could not have been more different. Um, but really I think we've just grown in our own confidence to, to do it our way. Yeah. I think that's really true. The thing I love about defy is that it gives me 
carte blanche and and permission to be the weirdo that I am. And I can go there and hang with people that have a different point of view, different perspective. You can see some movies that will take you out of your comfort zone in, in the most pleasing sort of way. I always know when I go to Defy that you're going to see a movie that you thought you would never see. And, yeah. and, and sometimes the movie isn't actually great to, to be frank, but it is so different that it challenges your sensibilities and that's worth the ticket price alone. Um, yeah, in, in my really opinion, like we don't, we don't show anything that, that Billy and I don't truly fall in love with, um, that, that acceptance process, our, our submissions and the way that we do that is, is really one of the best parts for me as an experience from the, from the back end. It's just like, I love that so much. Um, but, but we absolutely know that, that the work that we're, we're highlighting and curating is not for everyone, but I hope that everyone's experience is exactly what you're describing is like, even if you don't like it, it maybe expanded your mind a little bit, or made you think about something that you hadn't before or, or opened your eyes to a different kind of way that, that, that stories can be told or film can, can communicate. And I think that that's valuable on top of the desire to be entertained. And so, yeah, I really, I, I totally agree with that. Perfect. And I want to turn it to to Sarah because you mentioned earlier in this conversation that this has sort of become your baby and you Mm -hmm. do so many things. You are um, a successful musician. You are a web designer. You run a book club. You You really dug it up. You you, you really (laughs) do. You really do everything that um, you're truly living a creative life. I'll say that. And and so to be part of this has got to be pretty fun. And you've made films in your own right. And you've scored films. And we'll get into some of that later. But this, like Dicey said, was a different animal. And so yeah. curious from you, what's different about coordinating an online festival versus a live festival? Well, um, so half of half of the year with Defy is sort of getting the website ready, and then the, and then I switch into um, helping our operations manager Meredith with um, you know planning the event, and because I come from a lot of event production background and working for music festivals and uh, touring with festival tours and stuff, so there's this like my brain kind of splits usually every year, and then I switch from okay designing the website and that's all up. Now let's figure out how to get these people in this building and, and make sure it all goes well. And, um, this year I, you know, I didn't have any of that, none of the physical stuff. So all of my energy got to go into building this virtual website, which actually we didn't even really know exactly how we were going to do the website. If it was just going to be on the page of the film, I mean, it was so much conversation around like, does this need to be a separate entity? Are we re- making people register through YouTube or Zoom or Vimeo or do some other thing? And it kind of came together as we were thinking about it. So from a web design perspective, it was a lot of fun. And what I'm extremely grateful for and, and why I keep coming back for more Defy, other than loving Dicey and, and Billy and wanting them to succeed, is like that I get so much creative control around the web stuff. Um, they really trust me to design that website. And it's a very different film festival website from other film festivals out there. It's, it's very colorful and there's a lot going on, but especially this year, um, I really got to kind of go, 
Hey guys, I think this, here's some crazy ideas I have that no one's ever done before. And they were like, okay, <laughs> so that's a really cool, you know, that's my favorite part of collaboration and, and something I try to offer to people when I ask them to collaborate with me on GNA stuff. But it's like that creative control aspect is, you know, makes it so fun. So it became a really fun, all consuming thing. I was like, you know, waking up in the middle of the night, like, oh, we could do this and this and this. And then we brought in Dicey's brilliant tech wizard from New York, who was my saving grace, because as much as I wish I was a programmer, I'm not, and I can design websites all day, but you know, you got to pull it off technically. And so then I got to collaborate with this tech geek and tech geeks are my favorite people. And we got to work together on just working out these kinks and figuring out, could this actually work? Is this really going to work? And then it really worked. And it was a real, so that's always so successful when you have something in your brain, you build it and it works and people actually like it. Um, yeah, it was a really, really fun challenge. Was, it, was it easier? Was it what? Was it easier? No, it was the same amount of energy. It took the same amount of energy. Um, and then it took a lot of faith, which with the, with the event by the fourth year, last year, we were like, we've got this on lock. We know what we're doing. <laughs> we could do this in our sleep. It still takes a lot of energy, but like, we know it's going to work and it's going to be fun and it's going to be great. This was so, so much blind faith. And so <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, especially for, I think, you know, Dicey and Billy and the other people on the team who, who didn't, aren't, didn't have the perspective that I had of like, I know this is going to work. If we can get the technical side, I know it's going to work. They had to go in with a lot more faith. Um, and so that's just always terrifying, but yeah. One of the things that I do within the film world is sort of have filmmakers focus and create budget line items for marketing and branding, because that tends to be the area uh, that independent film isn't considering and it's so, so important. It's like maybe the most important thing in post in, in a lot of ways. I know you do some marketing and branding yourself, Sarah. How, what are the, and are there unique marketing challenges this year? Just trying to get the word out. Like what was your approach to, to trying to brand and market this year's festival with it being virtual? We, well, we had a lot, I mean, and that is also another thing I love about the Defy team is um, everybody is like so creative and visual. So it's such, such visual creatives. And so Dicey always comes up with these like really great, bold visual things. And, you know, now in year five, it's a lot of recognizable things. So I, I, you know, so much of branding is just like, maybe it changes a little bit, but you really have the same images you're seeing every year. And it's really like sticking in people's brains. Um, <clears throat> but it was just a lot of, you know, how much money can we afford to run ads? Um, we, we had a social media person who was great and she was able to, you know, really stay on top of the messaging and everybody on the team has to understand and has to have been to defy to understand what defy is and how it's different from other events and other film festivals. But everybody in this team really gets that. And then, um, with the website, you know, it's just making sure that the virtual website created the experience of being physically at defy. And then I don't even know, Dicey, maybe you can speak to, did we educate people ahead of time? We really put a lot of effort into like, we want you to understand what this is and we want you to feel safe coming into this experience. Like we're going to hold your hand. It's going to be fun. 
but uh, that's hard to do visually or with a social media post, you know, I don't know, Dicey, did we? Yeah, actually, I did want to want to touch on that. Um, a big piece of what Sarah brought to the process of of our branding really early on um, was this. You know, Billy and I kind of had this idea, and it makes sense to us. Um, but but Sarah was really able to help us teach people about Defy, and that and that's something that she brought on. Um, you know, years ago of like, okay, but people are confused. So let's talk to them like this and let's have this information and let's make sure they know these pieces. And so that's such a big part of it. And then that became so important this year where, you know, people just are having to figure out how to order food from their favorite restaurant is different. <laughs> Everything is different. And everyone's brains are just tired and having trouble learning things and don't want to try new things. And so such a big part this year was it was really, it was so, it was twofold. It was it, what Sarah's saying of, of making sure that the, that we were, we were doing our part in the, in the actual festival on Saturday, last Saturday of, of making it feel like you were at the actual event. But then that was, that was not uncomplicated. And so leading up to it, it was teaching people what to expect and how to interact with it and what they were going to need. And, and we, we really, um, created a lot of different ways to experience the festival and each of those had to be explained. And so a big piece of it this year was education. And yeah, I do think, I know that we did it. I know that it was successful, that piece of it, because people did, people did, they came and they experienced it. And, and I didn't have anyone communicate to me in the process that, um, or since then that it was confusing. I, in fact, all I had people saying was how, um, how great the experience was and how much it really did have some of that kinetic, chaotic energy <laughs> of going to an actual party and going to a festival and feeling like, you know, there's a little bit of, um, of that, that liveness to it on top of just getting to see great films. So yeah, I, th I think we pulled it off there. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's this interesting concept of first, you have to educate the market before you can sell to them. Yeah. And, I know my experience being there in that Zoom chat, there are certain advantages and nuances to it that you don't consider until you're actually doing it. So, for example, if I'm there live and I don't know some people, I might let the human part of me prevent myself from enduring the rejection of not being accepted by a group if I want to enter a conversation. Right. With Zoom... I don't worry about that. I'm part mm -hmm. of the conversation. No one can keep me out. I don't have anything that like, like there's no uh, barrier to entry. And now I get to kind of get the vibe of everybody's personality without the risk of introducing myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're on the screen. Everyone's got the same size square. <laughs> you know? yeah. right. Everyone's there. Everyone counts. We want you to be there. We're, we're all looking at each other. It's really cool. Yeah, there's no awkwardly walking across the room and introducing yourself. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, it really is. Everyone's at the table immediately. And I know some people, it's, you know, some, some people find it easier to, to handle that situation in person and get nervous in Zoom. And in exactly the reverse of that, some people really get to thrive in the, in the opportunity where they already have a chair and, and people are listening. And so, you know, I think, I think the virtual opportunities are not for everyone, but I think we were really able to take advantage of them and make the most of what they could bring to the table. And I think for some people, this was a better experience for them than the in-person festival. And we've had a lot of response of people wanting us to 
keep this as part of the part of the mix, even after we're all able to be in the same room together. Yeah, that's right. I mean, being able to give your opinions and tell people great job on their film without having the social risk is is it's kind of different and cool. And and I thought it was like Sarah mentioned, very egalitarian in that mm-hmm. way. And I do know what you mean about the nervousness around Zoom. Uh, just having done so many of these online meetings, a lot of times people are scared to be on Zoom because they don't want you into their personal life and they don't mm-hmm. want to have to. Um, I don't think people are proud of where they live sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why they created the fake background. <laughs> so, you can, <laughs> so, so you can be in a nice place and not put all your stuff on front street and just like, Hey, I'm here. So it's pretty yeah. cool. Um, Dicey, you've created a very inclusive community with Defy and with inclusiveness, it, it, it has the potential to, shift and change the brand of the festival itself due to that inclusion and due to the diversity of this great festival where um, the the actual customer has so much power over how it feels and looks. Are you or, and Billy concerned at all or about making sure the brand stays on point with horror or is this something where you're like, hey, let's let it move and flow how it moves and flows? Yeah, no, I think that that's a great question. You know, when we uh, when we went nonprofit a couple years ago, we we did the first two years um, just on our own, and then and then decided to go nonprofit. I think that those two years are correct. I'm not positive, but yeah, that was a big part of the conversation. Was is it, are we going to lose our voice? You know, we've never been a horror festival, but you know, we like horror films, and so. Uh, when we when we get good horror submissions, we you know we definitely want to um, include them and have had some really successful horror blocks in the past. Um, but really, you know, our festival is not about horror; it's about um, you know really kind of our taste, and that and that's not limited to any specific genre. Um, but yeah, it, it has absolutely has been a fear of you know what if we if, if we invite, you know, too many people in and then suddenly it's not ours. Um, but you know, I mean, it's just couldn't be further from the truth of, of our actual experience of it. You know, every time, like Sarah was saying, everyone behind, behind the scenes at, at Defy is so creative and they're the brand and that voice has been nothing but stronger because of it. Um, at such a, a huge resource and asset that we have is that we have incredibly smart, talented, creative people who are all good at collaborating. And so, you know, like Sarah was saying, like she brings this just incredible vision for our websites and our marketing and our, and our, you know, the way that we are, are telling people about who we are. And, you know, if we had people that weren't, didn't feel free to express their voice and bring that to the table, our brand would suffer. You know, we can't do it all. And so, you know, really we're so lucky that we have people that, um, that want to bring their, their vision and their, their uniqueness to it. And that gets folded into the recipe and is a really, really important part of it. And then the other piece of it, um, which I think is part of what you were getting at is, is the way that we, um, we program, you know, we're not programming for specific blocks. We're not saying, okay, we need 15 comedies and we need this many dramas. And, you know, we just, we fall in love with the films we get and then we build what those blocks look like out of it. And it's really much more akin to making a mixtape than it is to checking boxes. <laughs> and so, you know, whatever the market, not, you know, the, the, 
there's trends in, in all kinds of arts, obviously. And, you know, whatever the trend is and what people are making, that's what we end up seeing. And so, you know, there's, we had, I think our second year, we just had a phenomenal number of beautiful Iranian films. And so we had, I think two Iranian features that year and, and an Iranian, um, block shorts block that was just just Iranian films and it was so incredible and you know we didn't set out saying we need to highlight Iranian voices but that's what we were getting and that's what we fell in love with and that's what we showed and we haven't had a block like that since then not because it wasn't well received um you know which just the trends of, of what we're seeing there a couple years ago we had a strange number of films that featured nuns as like main <laughs> characters you know it's just it, we're not Looking for those things, we're just on the ride with everyone else, and so in that way, we really, really are a mirror and a reflection of what independent cinema is. And sometimes it's kind of going in ways you don't expect, but you know that has always been a part a part of what we've been wanting to highlight. And so that doesn't feel like that's threatening our voice. It feels like our job is to amplify that. I love that, and this this question's for for both of you, both of you, because you mentioned having a crop of films from Iran, and this year I was absolutely floored by one of the films that came out of Sweden, and I cannot remember the name of it. I don't know, Dicey or Sarah, if you know, but it was it was a Swedish film. Uh, it was great. It was it was wonderfully made. It was the one where the the grandmother had killed her granddaughter but didn't oh, remember it wolf? yeah yeah where's the wolf Golly, so that, that one floored me just in every way um and and it felt like um that one could have been a feature film you could work that out to to make that into a feature and, and again you're getting submissions from all over the place to just sort of speak to the, the diversity of the submissions and the selections that you and billy choose and so i'll pose this to you i know it's an indecent proposal but what what <laughs> what were your what were your one or two favorite films that you saw this year from from each of you oh i love this question and you know i mean we, we love all of the films like i said we don't we don't accept anything that we don't really really love but there are always films that are just like no brainers right out of the out of the gate that that you know there's a, a the behind the scenes process of how we accept films is is you know, pretty complicated, but there are some that, that every person along the way gives three stars and it's just like, yes, hundred percent. Yes. And so, um, you know, one of those for me this year, um, or for, I really, I think, um, all of us was, um, the explosion of, of the swimming ring mm -hmm. is a film out of Finland. And it was a oneer in this like really cool, weird, chaotic, um, uh, like water park. And it, just we put it in our dramedy block, um, which is the first time we've ever had that because it kind of defies genre altogether. But it is fun to look at and sad and weird and uncomfortable and beautiful and technically excellent and just really in every way. It checked every box and was so so special. And, and it's definitely one of our absolute favorites. Sarah, I know you, you know, like, like you were saying at the beginning normally at our in-person festival, you don't really get to watch a lot of the films. You're, you know, taking tickets and talking to people, but this year you got to watch so much. What did you love that you saw? Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, it was really fun because I, you know, was hosting the Zooms. And so I had to sit there in real time and I, you know, got to actually be a participant. Um, oh my gosh, there's so many. Um, 
Okay. So silent date was one that was so hilarious. Um, (laughs) and about this like narcissistic guru guy. And that was amazing. The art in my house, which is a local filmmaker, um, about a dog giving a tour of the art in his house. It's like so freaking adorable. Yeah. That's my guy, uh, Drew Maynard. Yes. Yeah. It really is one of the best films maybe I've seen all year, not just at our festival. It's so great. Friend of, friend of the podcast and also did a wonderful Mistake in the Making episode for us as well. Yeah, he was amazing. I also love, there was one Fempocalypse about um, zombies um, and how it's like the women's fault that the zombies were killing them, you know, that sort of commentary. <laughs> um, and then there was one about um, an alien <clears throat> breaking up with her girlfriend. Yeah, called ancient methods. Ancient methods. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. There was just so many. I love explosion of a swimming ring. There was one called the tampon that I really liked. That was really, <laughs> you know, and a lot of these, the thing I love about defy is so many, <laughs> so many of the films I'm like, there's such a wide range of emotions. Like it's not, we do put them into genre blocks to help again, educate people who are like, what are, what is this? But I'll be like, watching a three minute short film and like I'm laughing hysterically one minute and the next minute I'm very uncomfortable. <laughs> the next minute I'm like on the edge of my seat. So, um, so many of them were, um, just, yeah, a, a really cool mix of how am I supposed to be feeling right now? Which I think is kind of what Dicey and Billy really want to go for. Yeah. The tampon is such a perfect example of that too, because yeah. It's, you know, I mean, literally just the title made everyone giggle. It it has, you start off coming to it from that perspective and the film really wants you to be there. It's, it really gives the feeling of, of it's very light and it's very, um, you know, the main character is an artist and art school and she's, you know, bright and light and happy. And by the end of that film, you, she's asking herself about some very serious questions of Mm -hmm. consent and and it doesn't tell you what to feel. It doesn't tell you the answer. Um, but it really does ask some important questions. And I love that we got to show that. And, and throughout the process of, you know, our pre-screeners watching things and then sending us notes and us going through everything. Um, one of my favorite notes this year came from that film. And, and our pre-screener said that he didn't understand the film until he talked to his wife about it. And then they had this really long conversation and then he, re- he started to understand it better. And, mm-hmm. you know, I love, I love that. I love that so much that we, you know, whether or not the film spoke to you, it, it sparked conversation and, um, and really didn't tell you how to feel. It didn't tell you what, what to expect. It just said like, this is a thing maybe we should be talking about. And mm-hmm. exactly like you're saying, Sarah, like I do, I, I love it when our films can, um, kind of straddle a lot of, of work there and, and spark a lot of conversations. Yeah. And there was a film last year that is on Amazon prime right now and probably some other places as well, where I didn't know how to feel after I left. I knew I enjoyed it, but I didn't know what to think. And I think it was called fetish. And Mm -hmm. if you watch fetish, uh, and this is to the audience, uh, please comment and leave us some messages that tell us what you think. It's 20 minutes long. 
And uh, you're going to think that I'm crazy in the first three minutes, but by the end, I think you'll be on on Team Bonsai here and, and Team Chris and say, "Wow, that that was really unbelievable and and shocking." But that's a that's a great sample of of what you might see at Defy, in my opinion. And that movie did end up on Amazon Prime, and people can watch it. And I, that that brings up a thought in my head of. I'm sure to a degree you follow the films that have made a run through your festival. Have you found that Defy has been a career launch pad for any filmmakers? You Do you know, follow the fate of these films at all? Oh, absolutely. And and especially films that, um, where the filmmakers come and, and visit us and talk about the films. Um, you know, so David Lee has came to talk about fetish last year, but, um, so, you know, that just makes us like care about the film a little bit more, um, but Billy and I actually had both seen fetish at different film festivals leading up to ours. And we're so excited when it was submitted because it's, it really is, it's a trip for sure. Um, but, um, but yeah, you know, we absolutely follow the films. We absolutely follow those filmmakers. And, you know, I have personally donated to Indiegogo's for, for filmmakers after they, you know, for their follow-up work, because I really just do fall in love with so many of them. Um, I would love to say that, that Defy is a, is a opportunity for people's careers. And I, and it's definitely a goal of ours to, to make it more of that. I think really what people get out of, submitting their films to defy and showing there is, is the opportunity to meet other filmmakers and to build your audience base. So, you know, we don't have a market. We're not, you know, we're, we're, we're not in a position to introduce you to someone who's going to fund your next film. There are festivals that do that. And you know, as a filmmaker myself, I know how important that is. Um, really what you're going to get from, from submitting to defy is, is an opportunity to screen your film with people who are, deeply excited about it and have really interesting conversations about it. You know, we, we choose our, um, Q and a moderators very carefully. And it's cause we've all been in those Q and A's where the person maybe hasn't even seen the films. You're not sure. And they just say like, all right, what was your inspiration? How much did it cost? Okay, next. And mm-hmm. it's really important to us that that's not what we're offering filmmakers and the audiences in general. Like it, you know, that the audience or the filmmaker Q and A's are such an important part of a film festival, um, both for the filmmakers and the people in the audience. And so, you know, we want those conversations to be really interesting and important and, and illuminating for the filmmakers as well as the audience. And so I think what we really offer is, is encouragement and a lot of support, even if it's just emotional, you know, we are really on your side. And so our, our feedback from filmmakers consistently has just been what a important experience it is for them to come and show their work with us because it realigns their, their focus on the work more than anything else. Um, Mm -hmm. and that, that's really, really important to us, but obviously, yes, we're watching everyone's career afterwards and cheering them on as much as we can. And it's, it's really exciting to see so many of the works, um, go on and find a bigger audience after us. You know, I do feel like there are like all our little babies out there and I'm just like <laughs> proud to have known them before they, you know, find, find themselves on Amazon prime or wherever. Yeah. And I'll say this about Q and a, just as a general piece of not advice, but an observation I've noticed personally is when the Q and a is driven by the audience and not the Q and a host, uh, then you know you have a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, if the yeah. host has to drive the Q&A 
and get the audience engaged, then you didn't make them feel anything. I've seen Q and A's that were terrible for the filmmaker, but it's because that filmmaker's movie offended people in the audience or made them Mm -hmm. really upset. But that's something, right? Like you, they stayed around. It's almost that Howard Stern effect. Like we stayed on and listened to hear what else he was going to say. And that's what you want. Uh, Not necessarily in that negative context that I just mentioned, but you do want the audience to be sort of chomping at the bit to ask you a question because you made them feel something. And so if you're listening out there, you're making a film, Try to get the audience to drive the Q and A if you can, and then you know you have a good film. Uh, but but in that vein, absolutely oh, true. I really do think that that the moderators help that because because audience members, you know, we were talking about this earlier. Like it, it can be a little scary, and so you know, if if the moderator is not doing their job of kind of showing an example of what an engaged, educated, thoughtful question is, then the audience doesn't necessarily feel always welcome to do the same. And so it's kind of the moderator has to like tee everybody up to like a certain level of excellence. And then exactly like you're saying the audit, like everyone else has to take it from there. Yeah. I've gamed that a few times. So I've, I've done some event planning and, and ran some pretty big events, um, in the past, uh, with mostly with politicians, but it, I always will have, um, some people in the audience that are almost like a magician's trick. <laughs> oh, like a plant? Well, yeah, a plant. I'll, it's almost like a little bit of black magic. So I'll have them in there asking a question just to get the audience warmed up and ask maybe a, a question that will raise a question. Mm-hmm. And, Smart. You know, and that'll be um, – that helps out a little bit. And then also having your moderator be high energy. For whatever reason, that might just be me. That might be um, me being a little myopic in terms of, like, what I like to see. But whenever the moderator – or the host has a lot of energy that really uh-huh. works for me um, or is mm-hmm. funny, like really funny. So that mm-hmm. I think, um, and yeah, you're absolutely right. It helps when they've actually seen the film as well. <laughs> <laughs> At the very least. You know, it's funny you bring up the energy, which I think is, is so important and is also something that was really important for us when we were talking about switching to virtual, you know, a big part of, what is really easy in an in-person festival is making sure that when people enter, it's fun. It's light. It's exciting. There's stuff going, people are helpful. There's drinks. It's fun. You know, you're seeing your friends. It's like that energy is just really, it's, you don't even have to plan for it. It's there. But in a virtual festival, you have to actually purposefully bring it into the, into the vibe and vibe is very important to me. It's very important. I think in any kind of party planning or event planning. Um, and so that was a big part of the conversation for us is how do we give this, what could just feel like you're just logging onto Netflix, give it a little bit of that, of that real life energy. And so we did it in a couple of ways, um, that I'm really proud of all of them. One of one of them was our lobby. And so, you know, we called the homepage of, of the virtual festival, the lobby. So it kind of feels like the real, you know, when you, the festival you're used to going to, mm-hmm. and we produced a nine and a half hour live kind of, um, like what's it called? Public access style talk show going on the whole day. And, you know, that was a little bit insane and it was, you know, varying degrees of success. We had some technical issues, you know, but for nine and a half hours, I'm pretty proud of how it went, but you know, it it was, it was a, a big choice and it wasn't easy at all, 
but it was really important to us for when you click, when you click onto our website, there's some live energy, there's some awkwardness, there's some fun, there's some silliness so that you, you don't feel like you're just like downloading a film and watching it. It is, it's got a little bit of that energy. And then the other way we did that is um, something that Sarah brought to the table, which I'm just so thankful for is including the zoom in the watching process so that you can, you know, make plans with your friends, make sure they're watching the same thing you're watching, go into the zoom and you're seeing their reactions live. And, you know, that's not something that you get all the time with virtual festivals because it wasn't easy to, to introduce that into the, into the conversation, into people's experience. But, you know, we just loved it so much. You brought up fetish and that was something that was in my mind a lot when we were planning this because that's the last film on the docket last year. And it was, it just, you know, it was such an incredible experience. It was a full house and that film really elicits a reaction to people at the very end. It is, it is a huge reaction film. And it was so fun to sit in that room with, with, you know, over a hundred people and, and see that reaction from everyone. And I hated to lose that in the virtual festival. And so that's what these live zoom rooms brought, not just the opportunity for the Q and A's, but you can sit and see people's reaction live while they're watching the movie with you. And that's, that just that little bit of live energy really, it makes a difference, I think. And, and it's something that I'm really proud that we, that we introduced. I thought it was brilliant and I really enjoyed it. And, and it was enticing too. It was almost like a, it was a hook. It was like, as soon as I went to the website, I see these live people moving around in this tiny little thumbnail. And I'm like, I got to click on that thumbnail. That's an yeah. important thumbnail. And I thought Seth uh, Pomeroy held it together pretty well. That's a really big job to try mm-hmm. to host and have, you know, funny energy, um, he was almost, he almost got into a state of complete, you know, like a manic state where he had to keep the energy up for so long. And, and, you know, I know that's a really tough job. So, you know, kudos to him for, for, for keeping the room lively as he possibly could. Um, before we shift into the next part of this conversation, I just want to put a bow on Defy, which is, um, the filmmakers, you know, how, how did they, you know, what is your advice for um, how they should submit next year, and and what is the common thread? You know, how do, how will a filmmaker know? Oh, uh, this is a film that Defy will will likely accept. What's the common thread with all Defy films? That's a really great question, um, and it's really hidden in the name. Actually, it I I really one piece of advice for all filmmakers is to be very thoughtful about the festivals you're submitting to. It's, it's a lot like online dating and and not all festivals are going to be right for you and that's okay. Um, but really, you know, to do that little bit of research and, and make sure that the festivals you're, you're spending your hard earned money to submit to, you know, that they're, that they're the kind of experience you want and that they're looking for you. Um, and really we are looking for films that defy it. And I know that feels really vague, but it's, it's, it's the best we can do to describe it. We want films that are, are high quality and beautiful and entertaining, but not just that they are, they're taking a unique approach to storytelling or cinema or genre or anything. You know, it is, we're really open to the filmmaker telling us what it is that they are doing in a new and inventive way. You know, we don't want to prescribe that, but we are always looking for something fresh there. And Billy and I have had films come across the table that are, are high quality in every way and are also just something we've seen before. 
It's just, it's following the track. It's, it makes all the predictable moves and, you know, those films are going to do well. They're going to be fine. They give people what they want, but that's, and, and it's no shade to those films, you know, I mean, people want to, want to, to sometimes know what they're getting themselves into. Um, but that's not going to be what we're going to show. We are really going to go out of our way to, to highlight films that are, are just taking a unique approach to it. And so if there's anything about your film that, that you feel like you really, you know, either if it was in the production process or your editing or your approach to the, to your narrative or your lack of narrative or whatever it is, if you feel like you've really done something in in a fresh and inventive way, then yeah, we definitely want to see it. Absolutely. And um, you can submit on filmfreeway.com. Uh, mm-hmm. Our submissions are not open yet, but we usually open them up in November or early December. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. And you two have a lot on the plate together going forward, and you've made a short film called How Many Spiders. Sarah, you are doing scores now. And I'm curious, how is putting a score together different than making an album? Oh, my gosh. It's um, a totally different part of my brain, <clears throat> and um, and it's so funny because from the beginning of gardening, not architecture, I've always wanted to make um, soundtracky. It was always like a description that people used. You know, I've always wanted to make music that would do well on a soundtrack or be real. You know, um, just emotional or 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 whatever. So I, I have a lot of songs that are soundtracky, but when I started actually doing scoring, it was a very different thing. And it's so much more about timing and actual, actually subtlety. Uh, I've, I scored a feature film a few years ago now called super powerless. And that was such a great learning process for me because I was just, I just kept trying to make songs and the director had to be like, no, Sarah, I love your music. and I love your songs, but I don't, need songs. I need like <laughs> one sustained note and, you know, or like mm-hmm. it doesn't have to have a beat, you know? And that was a really cool learning process for me. I'm so grateful to that director who is a GNA fan. And that's how he asked me to do that. But, um, what was the director's name? Um, oh, <laughs> Dwayne Anderson, Dwayne Anderson <laughs> is his name. <laughs> like, Thank you. Um, yeah, Dwayne Anderson, he's a, he's a great filmmaker and super powerless is a really sweet indie film. Um, it really is. That's such a yeah, cute one. I love it. it. Is. And it's available, I think on, on, uh, Amazon and stuff, but he, um, anyway, that was a really good learning process. That, and we worked on that film together for a very long time. And it helps turn on this part of my brain where I kind of have to detach a little bit emotionally from what I personally am feeling maybe, but, um, and think about sound in a totally different way and think about, um, notes and melodies and, um, uh, rhythm and texture in a totally different way. Um, and, and how many spiders is actually like the first time that I feel like I really sat down and was able to nail it pretty quickly with everything I had learned up to that point about film scoring. I've scored a few things. I scored a a science documentary for discovery channel and I did some stuff for history channel. And so I've I've gotten a lot of practice, but how many spiders was really great. Cause I was just like, okay, I'm going to just open my brain and watch this film. And like, as it's happening, I'm just going to hit 
the notes and the keys and the weird sounds. And I'm just going to trust that it's going to, it's just going to be what it needs to be. So I don't know. It's a really different way. It's not songwriting. It's not me telling my own story. Um, but it is important that I understand sound and texture and, um, and, uh, and that I sort of submit my will a little bit to the film. (laughs) I I totally relate to that. Yeah. I started in music myself and, you know, play piano and, and have written hundreds of songs and you'll sit down at the piano and you'll start writing and you realize that if I add words to this, it ruins it. And that's when you know you have maybe yeah. something that would go good in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's beautiful, but it's, it's not necessarily for lyrics, you know, yeah. and it is a little bit different writing a song than, than writing something that might heighten a moment in, in a film uh, for sure. I think this audience would kill me if I didn't ask you, you know, why the name gardening, not architecture. <laughs> and when I first heard the name, I thought, oh, this is this is a band with 15 members in it. That's what it sounds like. This is this is a giant ensemble. Um, this is the Mighty Mighty Boston's or something right. with you know right. with Sarah Saturday at the helm. Theater. Right. Yeah. So so why why gardening not architecture? Um it, first of all, I just you know I started I started writing the songs that would become the first demos for GNA when I was like 23 years old. So, um, huge ego, you know, huge, like, Oh, I'm going to be so dramatic and mysterious. And I look back (laughs) at a lot of the decisions I made in the early days of GNA. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I was taking myself so seriously. So GNA gardening, not architecture comes from it's a, it's it's an ode to, um, Brian, uh, Eno, who is like, Ah. you know, the father of electronic music Mm -hmm. and, um, he, and I forgot his, the other producer's name, he and another producer created this deck of cards that, famous um, deck of cards. Yep. You know it? Oblique strategies. Yep. Yep. Oblique strategies. Yep. Yep. So when I recorded my first EP in Madison, Wisconsin, um, the producer that I worked with had this deck of cards and I didn't have a name for the project yet, or I had a couple that I was messing with anyway. So he pulled gardening, not architecture. And I was like, that is like so incredible. And, um, it was so helpful anyway. So I just was like, well, I'll just name it that card. And then that's sort of, you know, a secret little, if anybody knows it, then it's, I've had maybe a few people over time be like, Oh, I know where that comes from. But then it, you know, took on its own. It's such a cool phrase. Um, it is. And it really describes the way that I've, up t- the approach I've t- taken with this, you know, the band I was in before this, I, I took real seriously and I was like, we're going to get famous and here's how we're going to do it. And this was more like, um, I'm going to let it happen rather than try to force anything. I'm just going to let it grow and, you know, become whatever it is. And it's a lot more like gardening than trying to build, you know, a structure and, um, so it's taken on a lot of other metaphorical meanings over the years, but, and I've tried shortening yeah. it to GNA to make it easier for people. And it's like the heart, everyone's like, what's your website? And you're going to ask at the end of this, where can people find you online? And I'm like, Oh, gardening, <laughs> not architecture. And like, it's just, it was like, Oh, whatever. But I, I love the name. Okay. <laughs> I love the name. And it, it does. It's so metaphorical that it forces it, it. It's a forced perspective on the person who's saying it. Mm-hmm. And so when I hear that, the first thing I think about is it's an argument between what is universal and what is 
um, man's intellect, you know? Mm-hmm. And yes. so, you know, what is essential and, and what is um, vanity? And it just, yeah. there's a lot of things that you can get from the name. So, so kudos to you and kudos to Brian Eno for making <laughs> such, uh, <laughs> for making such a compelling thing. And it's lasted so long, mm-hmm. um, and been around, uh, Dicey, you are making a, f- have you, have you completed this feature film called the source of shadows, which is a killer name by the way. Oh yeah. So that is done. That was, that's been a really interesting process. Um, it is a, an horror anthology and we were approached, um, we being, um, my, my horror collective of women, which is, uh, Jennifer Bonnier, myself and Stephanie Adams. And we made a film called, um, inside the house. Oh, I'm not good on years, but I'm, I, you know, three years ago now, four years, maybe even. Um, and it, uh, it had a lot of, of great experiences at film festivals and and had a really fun run. Um, and when that happens, when you get a a film, especially in the horror community, because it's really close knit and, you know, you're seeing a lot of the same people over and over again at all of these festivals. And it was just, it was a truly incredible eye-opening experience. Um, but part of what happens with that is you get some cheerleaders, along the way, uh, which we're so thankful for. And, um, and so we were at a film festival in, um, in Vermont, which is one of our favorite film festivals, Axe Wound Film Festival. And they're pretty well known in the women in horror community. Um, and so because of that, um, we, um, the, the, somebody from that festival, um, passed our name on to these people who were put, who were gathering films for an anthology. And so, you know, just so thankful to anybody who is willing to lift other people up, um, when they have the opportunity so special. And so, um, now, you know, it just came out, it came out in quarantine. So it came out in the last um, couple months and, uh, it was a long process moving towards it, but, um, source of shadows is I think 10 short films, from filmmakers, um, all over the country. Um, and they're all pretty, I mean, they're all really, really different and interesting and fun. And now is it the perfect time to be checking it out because, you know, there's a cr- crisp fall air starting this weekend. <laughs> and I think people are starting to remember how fun, you know, Halloween is. And so, yeah, Source of Shadows is available on Amazon Prime. Uh, and it, it's a really cool process to be included in something like that. Um, we're, we're really, really proud of it. So Inside the House, um, I think, is the second or third film in the anthology. Um, but they're all really great. And, and it was a lot of fun to be a part of. Yeah, I became aware of you on a short film called Contrary to Likeness. And that won a ton of awards it was from director Maki Depp and starred Chris Winty, who... Uh, strangely enough, I spoke to for about two hours yesterday <laughs> randomly, but, um, yeah, I, it, I'm wondering what has happened maybe within a process of, of shooting one of your shorts or, or working on someone's film, uh, that taught you the most, like what, what mistake on a film, even if you want to go that route, uh, helped you advance your skills for the next film you worked on. Can you think of anything dicey that, that stands out? Hmm. Um, you know, one of the things, and I'm not, I certainly don't think it's a mistake at all, but one of the things that I feel like, uh, we've learned, um, as Daisy Dukes is, um, you know, there's kind of an impulse to, to 
see growth as expansion. Um, you know, that I think we're kind of taught that. And so, you know, there's an earlier version of me who really felt like having a lot of people on your crew and on your set, um, that that's a sign of success. That's, is a, that's a sign that you're making a, a big movie. That's really important. And, um, the more we make, the more I feel like having a small crew of just the most excellent people. And that's really an incredible thing about working in Nashville is, you know, I, I have had the distinct pleasure of becoming friends with some of the most talented people I've ever met in my entire life. And so, you know, I I think it's more important to have a few people who are at the top of their game and are also the kind of people that you want to be collaborating with, that they, they understand it and they're there with you. And they're also trying to bring their voice to make your vision as special as it can be. I would rather have two of those people than, 15 people sitting around, you know, waiting for lunch. It's really so important who you surround yourself with at every stage in the process. And when you're on set, making sure everyone there is believes in what you're doing. Um, you know, that's, that's so important. And so, you know, we've made, um, a really great handful of short films that I'm super proud of all of them, but there have been experiences along the way where, you know, I, I've looked at Jennifer and, and felt like, why are these people here? Like, what is, we made a mistake in trying to, to expand in this way. We should be, um, really expanding in the, the goals of the work and keeping this, this process intimate, because I think that that's where we've gained the most, um, you know, incredible work. Our, our last film that, um, we finished up is called, um, coming alive. And it was a really small, intimate set. And, uh, I think it really shows in the work. It's, it's, quiet work that is, I'm, I think very beautiful and I'm really proud of it. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, obviously surrounding yourself with, with the right people, but knowing, trusting them to be enough, I think is something that we've learned. And that's awesome. And and thank you for for sharing that. I want to just amend to that answer and just ask, um, sort of thing came to mind. It's like if, if anyone's out there listening that really wants to jump into the horror genre, which tends to be a indie filmmaker friendly genre. Yeah. And so if anyone is out there that wants to make horror, let's say they only have enough money to focus and do a really great job at one of the following score, lighting, cinematography, or VFX, which one's most important to the genre to, to make the film good. Let's say, oh, wow. Or, let's say, or let's say they only have room for three and they, they have to drop one. What's the, what are the, either way you want to take it. So what's yeah. the best one or what's the top three there between uh score lighting, cinematography or VFX? Um, gosh, they're all so important. I will say that, that lighting is, you know, if you have a good cinematographer, they're going to be able to work with, with what you give them. And so, put your energy there, give them a vision, communicate with them as much as possible. Um, because there's no way you can, you can cut a good cinematographer. I mean, that is just everything. Um, but also I have never made a single film that I wasn't at the, at, you know, 90% there just like, well, there's nothing here. This isn't coming together. There's no glue. It doesn't make sense. And then you add the score in and it's like, Oh, it's done. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it's so necessary. You know, I mean, we're talking about how many spiders and, and it was just like a jumble until it had Sarah's score in there. And then it really felt like you were 
you were part of a story for me. And obviously the story is a little bit abstracted there, but you know, there's just, you, you cannot overstate how important a score is to any film, but particularly horror. Uh, I think, I think so important. And then, you know, there's a lot of fun in the horror genre and that, you know, especially if you're, if you're in the position to, to take it to film festivals, like I was saying, you know, if you can get one really excellent practical effect in there, it is, there's just, it's hard to overstate how fun it is to be sitting in a, in a theater with people who love horror and having your weird, gross effect land and have the whole theater react to it. I mean, that's, you know, that's a highlight of my experience as a filmmaker in general. So I would say that's really important. Um, but one of the things that you didn't mention, which I just take this opportunity to say is, um, don't underestimate the value of your screenplay. Now oh, I was just going to say that. that. I, was gonna say, I was literally about to say this all assumes you have a great story. <laughs> it really does. And because horror people who don't understand horror as an art form tend to just think it's about like, let's make something yucky. Let's get some, let's get a jump scare. Let's, you know, and then we'll just tell the same story we've seen a million times. And people who understand elevated horror, who understand that it is really a like truly powerful tool to tell stories. Um, you know, nobody wants to see the same thing that they've seen a hundred times. The part of what makes horror so fun as a creative process is you're given this set of tropes that, you know, we all kind of expect it's these jump scares. It's these, it's this, you know, scary rooms, it's, you know, whatever. And then you have to surprise people within that. You have to, to set them up to think it's going one way and then take it somewhere else. And I think, I think that that's such a fun challenge as a filmmaker to always have to be bringing something fresh to the table, even though you're being handed the same ingredients over and over again. And so if you're, if your screenplay isn't doing that, then, then put your time and energy into workshopping that before you're, you're figuring out what your special effect is. Well said, well said story is King. And, uh, if you have a great story, uh, viewers will find your, your film for yeah. sure. That is, um, that has, has really always been the case. And you guys have been so uh, cool and uh, free with your time. I, I really only have a few more questions. Are you guys still good? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. 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 Um, this is a fun and interesting question for, for both of you, <laughs> because I, I think again, the audience would knowing, you know, sort of both of your love of the genre um, would want to know this. So here's the scenario. You're stranded on an island. Somehow you have a DVD player and a TV. Uh, and you have any three films uh, you want. Uh, which three do you have with you on the island, Sarah? Oh, I have to go first? Yeah, you have to go first. <laughs> I have to think about this. And, and it doesn't have to be horror, but it's just what are your three favorite films? If you had to have three with you on the island and somehow you had a DVD player and a TV. Okay. Oh, boy. This might make Dicey not want to be my friend anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm We're stirring it up, folks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. I mean, I'm an amateur film nerd. I I love movies. I've been watching movies my whole life, like acting like I know what I'm talking about. Um, but let's see. There's one that I really love that I watch. I mean, I've probably watched like a million billion times. It's a David O. Russell film. And it's um, flirting with disaster, which a lot of people have never seen, um, but I freaking love it. And 
I think, I don't know. I love that. And I could probably never get sick of watching that maybe a couple times a year. Stranger than fiction is also one that I love, love, love because it just, it like sort of incorporates everything that, that I want in a movie, music, talent, story, a little bit of fantasy. Um, and then just goofiness. But, um, a third one would be, I'm trying to think of movies that I never get sick of watching or that I make people, you know, I have certain, certain movies that I'm like, have you ever seen this one? Can we be friends or <laughs> like I'm dating when I was, you know, and I would date people and be like, what do you think about this movie? Mm-hmm. Um, but what would the, what would one of those be? Or if shoot, I'm so bad at this on the spot because my brain shuts down. Um, I'm going to pause. Can I pause and think about that third one? All right. We're going to come back to you. Dyson, okay. what do you got? <laughs> um, okay. So obviously it's a terrifying question because um, I, I love so many movies, but I think my answer is um, the 1979 invasion of the body snatchers. Mm-hmm. I could watch forever every day. It is what made me fall in love with horror. And I just think it's a masterpiece in every way. Um, and I'm going to cheat a little bit and say, I would also bring the DVD set of all of Twin Peaks, <laughs> which is cheating, but also um, I really stand by it's, it's got so many different genres within that and endlessly rewatchable, um, including the, the newer season, which I would love to debate with people if anyone wants to add me. Um, and then really for like a different mood altogether is, is Moonstruck. I just love Moonstruck so much. And it's, you know, it's the kind of love story that I feel like I can really get behind. So That's uh, Sybil Shepherd and Bruce Willis, right? No, uh, no, that's that's moonlighting. Oh, it's moonlighting. Jesus, moonstruck is different. Moonstruck is Cher and Nicolas Cage. Cher and Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Yes. And just I got like, confused. I know that movie. Yes. And Italians, and it's just like so great and beautiful, and it's really it makes me excited about um, about storytelling and love stories. Mm, good old Nick Cage. Uh, I love it. Sarah. And I think it's him at his best too. Yeah. It's him. And he's, he's getting weird and, and crazy, but it's, uh, it's really in service of the work as compared to maybe some of the places that it's gone since then. Yeah. He's, he's sort of becoming the nickelback of actors and I don't understand why I think he's fantastic. I think he's just, he's, so he's fantastic. Great. I mean, Mandy, like oh, tour de force. Right. For, for sure. Sarah, what do you, what do you got? You, did you come up with anything? <laughs> Well, you know, it's just stressing me out. I'm sweating. Um, (laughs) I think I'm going to have to throw a classic, which I watched again last year and was like, this is the most beautiful movie of all time, which is E.T. Um, yeah, I don't, I, 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 the first time I watched that movie when I was a small, small child, I cried for literally hours and I couldn't even explain why I was so upset. And then I watched it. I haven't watched it for years. I watched it again last year and I, and it affected me in that same way. There's something about that story that, um, I don't know. There's it's like a philosophical universal something that gets yeah. me on a really deep level. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw that on there for, for an island, a deserted Island situation, at least. I love, I love it. that answer. That's perfect. Mm. Yep. I saw, uh, ET was one of the first films I saw in the theater when, when I was a kid. And, uh, I'm so proud that I made Sarah Saturday stress sweat and that's, <laughs> oh, you totally did. You totally did. Whew. That's, that's so awesome. 20, 2020 has been such a strange year. 2021, we have high hopes for. We'll see how it goes. But uh, if if we're all still here and, and the world is the way we know it, Sarah, what can we expect to see from you in the next year? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I like the hope in that question. 
because I've been very nihilistic lately. Um, I am hoping to start writing a new album this winter and Dicey and I are already talking about, cause Dicey also, um, has been for, I mean, for a long time, but especially in the last couple of years has been doing all the film stuff for my live shows. And so we actually just talked yesterday about her ideas that she has for when I have some new music out. So, um, new album, new live show, and, um, obviously defy. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, um, just feeling good about life and hugging my friends. I really want to hug my friends. That's it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And I, I miss, uh, actually having coffee with, with you, Dicey. So what, besides having coffee with me in 2021, what's, <laughs> what's the store for you? Uh, yes. Lots of hugging and coffee. I love that. Um, so Daisy Dukes started shooting a short film, um, actually in the week before quarantine. And so we have one more day of shooting for that, um, which is, you know, pretty stressful to, to think that that's all, um, that that's halfway through done. Also very stressful because a lot of our, our cast for that short film, which is called hope chest, um, is that they're actually quite young. Our lead is 11 years old and I'm very scared that she's going to go fully through puberty before we get to finish shooting it with her. But, um, what we will figure that out. So hopefully, um, I, I feel really confident that we're going to figure out a safe way to finish shooting that. Um, and so hope chest, keep your eyes out for that. And then, um, Daisy Dukes really wants to, to do a feature. So we're in the process of writing that I had a, a pretty spooky experience in new Orleans, actually this time last year, um, I stayed at a haunted hotel and, and things got very dark, very fast. And so I'm writing a, a feature film about that experience and kind of, um, you know, expounding on, uh, that to be a little bit about marriage and adulthood. Um, and so hopefully that is, is done in 2021 and maybe some wheels are turning in aid of that. And then really, truly, I'm so excited to do um, Defy the way that we are used to doing it. You know, that was so fun to do the virtual version and I'm so, so, so proud of it. But it did really make me miss being in a room full of people who inspire me and just like turn my brain on and get me excited. I want to, I want to cheers with some really talented filmmakers in, uh, at studio 615 next year for 2020 defy or 2021 to five. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Ladies, this has been such a fun conversation. I really enjoy yeah, it. I'm super, you. no, anytime I'm, I'm super proud of, of both of you and what you're doing for the independent film community and what you do for independent music and creatives in general. And I'll, I'll start with you, Dicey. Where can we find you on social media and on the internet? And where can we see some of your work? Um, you can please follow Defy Film Festival, sign up for our newsletter. You can do that all from the website. Um, and then I really, the only social media I do is um, Instagram. So I'm at Dicey Dicey on Instagram. Um, and I will definitely let you know all the stuff there. And then my website is, um, is DiceWildman.com. But also go ahead and check out Daisy Duke's um, films.com because that is actually a much superior website and, um, you can, uh, see all the stuff that we're working on. And if you, if you message me, I'll send you links to all the stuff that's password protected. Cause at the end of the day, we just want people to see it. So, so yeah, hit me up. And just because you have such a unique name, I'll, I'll spell some of these, these things out on Instagram. It's actually D I C E Y. 
D-Y-C-E-E, so Dicey, Dicey on Instagram. And certainly on the website, it would be D-Y-C-E-E, Wildman, W-I-L-D-M-A-N-D.com. You can find Dicey at all those places, and I recommend that you do. Of course, Defy is at DefyFilmFestival.com. Sarah, where can we find you on the internet and on social media? Uh, well, my name's Sarah Saturday, S-A-R-A-H, uh, is most of my stuff, most of my usernames. Um, and I have a website, sarahsaturday.com and then gardening, not architecture, (laughs) (laughs) gardening, not architecture (laughs) is also my username everywhere because who else would have that username? So, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, dot com, all of those things. Perfect. And then you're also on Twitter. I think I just, uh, I am. I've been following you on Twitter for a little bit and, uh, learned about your million dollar lip sanitizer idea and yep, yep, we'll yep. have to talk about that <laughs> offline. And <laughs> oh, <laughs> ladies, this has been great. One, one last question, and maybe it's not a question, but it, just an observation, but I don't know if you know what both of you were doing last year on this exact date, but, uh, it stands to reason you guys should be celebrating today and making some noise. I think last year on this date, uh, Sarah, you were getting proposed to, and <laughs> and last year on this date, Dicey, you bought a scorpion sucker <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and found it's out it was disgusting. Yeah. So, so what are you guys going to do today? To celebrate this one year anniversary of That's these two amazing. very unique things. That's amazing. Oh man, I'm gonna. Um, probably go get a blanket and sit outside in my backyard and eat a bunch of food and just enjoy this gorgeous weather today. That's what I'm going to do. What about you Dice? Yeah, I think, I think the same. I am. um, All I want to do is sit outside right now and, and I am um, maybe going to read a book outside, drink some wine. That feels like a good Sunday, right? Perhaps with some (laughs) chocolate dip grasshoppers. Yeah, there you go. Bring bring out some scorpions. That's so funny. (laughs) Amazing. Oh, I, I, I love your work. I, I love everything about both of you. Uh, best of luck for the remainder of the year and going into 2021. And I uh, hope I get to see you guys in the wild in real life very soon. Yeah. And so until next time, thank you so much, ladies. And uh, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you for lifting up people's voices. It's really special what you're doing. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Anytime. Talk soon. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the Make It Podcast. To find more information about this week's topics, including links to relevant blog posts, projects, and indie creatives, please visit our website at www.banzai.film. If you haven't already, you can join our podcast community on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice by searching for Make It, Bonsai Creative, and the show will pop right up. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Bonsai Creative and Facebook by searching for Bonsai Creative. And of course, if you're looking to take a big step towards your filmmaking success, go to www.bonsai.film and click on Book Us to schedule a free discovery meeting and needs assessment. You have everything to gain. Until next time, be better, be creative, be engaged, and thank you for listening.